This is the Moira Pentecostal Church podcast, providing you with sound biblical teaching. New content will be available every week throughout 2015. We hope you will be encouraged, challenged, and blessed by this ministry. Galatians chapter 5. And just two verses. Galatians 5, verses 22 and 23. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, which means patient endurance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no Law. Have you noticed how these days increasingly we spend much of our time hanging about waiting? Particularly if you go into a bank. I was in, I think it was the Ulster Bank one day in Lisburn, and I was in the middle of a long line, and the cashier didn't seem to be in much of a hurry, and there was one gentleman whose patience was exhausted. And just out of the blue, he shouted, would somebody from the back office get out onto these cashier's desk? I'm fed up standing here. <laughs> as loud as that. And all of us in line thought, oh, I wish I had the guts to say that. Because <laughs> within a couple of minutes, there was a bit of a goings on and there was a few more come out to help. He just had enough. And so you hang about in post offices and banks and airports especially. Airports is wild, isn't it? Yeah. Do, you ever, do you like those people in the airport? That, you know, they, they almost pretend that they don't see the line and they're kind of walking down and then they just want to slip in, you know? <laughs> Sally and I one time, we were, I forget which, it was an airport somewhere, it was in the States somewhere, and uh, there was a long line, we were in it. And uh, this, this guy walked down as if it wasn't there, just walked right down and just stood where, you know, the next person was going to get dealt with. And a wee man in front of me shouted, Hey, he says, you can't do that. And he turned around and says, Who's going to stop me? And this big American guy, must have been six foot six, he's building a tiger. He says, I'll stop you, Mac, he says. <laughs> and the man says, all right. <laughs> he walked away back. <laughs> he was just trying it on, you see, but it didn't work. And then you ring up these, uh, maybe it's a business, maybe it's a government office, and you get all these automated lines going through, and, you know, department, which part of me you want, it just goes on, and this uh, may be uh, recorded for training purposes, and blah, blah, blah. And then at last it says, we, uh, we value your uh, phone call, and uh, blah, blah, blah. And you're thinking, well, if you value my phone call so much, just answer it. Just please answer the call. And you're waiting and waiting and waiting. And then suddenly you're just cut off. <laughs> just gone, isn't it? It's gone, and you have to start the whole thing all over again. But anyway, we wait for all kinds of things. The traffic in Moira 
Now, if, <laughs> for those of you who live in Moira, who has to, <laughs> has to go through Moira to work, it's an absolute nightmare, isn't it? I mean, it's just, I remember one day before we got these traffic lights, there was just one pedestrian crossing. And this is true. And I was standing out there, and this wee man, he was, he was first, and I mean, the cars had just gone past. He just couldn't get out. So you know what he did? He jumped out of the car, and he went to the pedestrian crossing. He pressed the light, ran back in again, <laughs> and whenever it changed, he was away. Ah, <laughs> oh, dear hobbles. Now, some things are worth waiting for, aren't they? A wedding, or the honeymoon, or the birth of the baby, or that special dinner that has been arranged or maybe that holiday that you have planned for months and months and the day comes. All of those things are, are worth waiting. So waiting is it's just a fact of everyday life, isn't it? It's unavoidable. It's inescapable. We better get used to it because it's not going to change anytime soon. Sure it's not. So we moan and we groan and we gripe, but at the end of the day, we just have to stand there and take it in the chin and wait. Now, why should we think that it's going to be any different when it comes to our spiritual lives? Why do we think that when it comes to our spiritual lives that we can just press a button and we get an instantaneous answer? I think we've all found out that that rarely happens. There is usually a period of delay and a waiting. But if God puts us on hold, we get so frustrated, don't we? And we really shouldn't. We should trust him. He knows what he's doing. But in our humanity... Because it frustrates us in life generally. So when God does it, we get frustrated also. Why do you think that God made patience a fruit of the Spirit? He made that because he knew that we were going to need that. That in our Christian journey, we are going to need patient endurance. So the Bible speaks, does it not, about those who through faith and patience... Those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. So therefore, delays are part and parcel of everyday life and of our spiritual lives also. But why? Why delays? Why does the answer not just come immediately? Why do we have to wait for an answer wait for a breakthrough, wait for a dream to be fulfilled. Why do I have to wait for a promise to come true? Well, that's what I want to share about tonight. Here are a couple of things that we need to know about delays. Sometimes the delay is exclusively on God's side. God caused the delay. But through the delay... He will be glorified, and we will be glad at the end of it, and we'll be grateful. In Genesis 15, God comes through a vision, and he speaks to Abraham. Abraham is 75, and Sarah, his wife, is 65. And he tells them clearly that he's going to have a child from his own loins. Now, that was improbable, especially as far as Sarah was concerned, but not impossible. But then if you just turn to Genesis 16, you don't have to, but if you turn to Genesis 16, you would see that now it's 10 years on. Abraham is 85, Sarah is 75. 
Now, for a child to be born to Sarah at this time, it's gone from being improbable to impossible. Biologically, it's just not possible, but it is still for Abraham. But then when you go to Genesis 17, now Abraham is in his 100th year, and Sarah is in her 90th year. And that's impossible for both of them. And God waited all of that time until it was absolutely biologically impossible for both of them before that promise and that prophecy came true. And they had that child, Isaac, the child of promise. Whenever Mary and Martha sent for Jesus because their brother was sick, they said, he whom you love is sick, will you come and heal him? They had not a doubt in the world that that's exactly what Jesus would do. This was a close friend of Jesus. Jesus stayed in their home many times. He was, they were his hosts many times. And so there was a, a tremendous affinity with them. So why in the world would he not come? It never, it never was a thought in their mind that he wouldn't come. All they had to do was just send for him and for sure he would come. But we know he didn't come. He waited two more days. Uh, uh, now, it was a dangerous place to go. Bethany was a couple of miles outside Jerusalem. And, I mean, this was a time of opposition. Even his disciples didn't want him to go. They said, Lord, the last time you went there, they wanted to stone you. <laughs> Thomas, he says in the end, when Jesus says, we're going to go, Thomas says, well, we'll all go with you and we'll die with you. <laughs> That's how negative they're feeling about that. You can read that in John 11. But now it's four days to the time Jesus gets. He's in the grave. He's dead. He's buried. Impossible. Why wouldn't he come at the start? Because... He had a bigger reason. He wanted them to see their brother resurrected. Be no greater evidence of his messiahship than a resurrection of a man who'd been dead four days already. And so he would be glorified and they would be grateful. And they were grateful. They saw something that was astounding. How would you like to have been there and seen a man walk out of a tomb knowing that that man had been dead four days? Well, what a great moment that was. Habakkuk, or Habakkuk if you prefer. In chapter 1, he, he couldn't understand. He... he he couldn't understand why God was allowing all of this violence in the land and all of this trouble. Why, why God, wouldn't you just step in and do something about it? It's gone on far too long. This is what he says. I'll just read this to you. The burden which the prophet Habakkuk saw. Here's his question. O oh Lord, how long shall I cry and you will not hear? Even cry out to you violence and you will not see it. 
Why do you show me iniquity and cause me to see trouble? For plundering and violence are before me. There is strife and contention arises. Therefore the law is powerless, and justice never goes forth. For the wicked surround the righteous. Therefore perverse judgment proceeds. Look. This is what the Lord's replied. Look among the nations and watch. Be utterly astounded, for I will work a work in your days, which which you will not believe, though it were told you. For I indeed, and this is this is the troubling, this is even more troubling to the prophet. For I indeed am raising up the Chaldeans. I'm raising them up. A bitter and a hasty nation, which marches through the breadth of the earth to possess the dwellings that are not theirs. They are terrible and dreadful. Their judgment and their dignity proceed from themselves. Their horses also are swifter than leopards and more fierce than evening wolves. Their charges charge ahead. Their cavalry comes from afar. They fly as the eagle that hastens to eat. They all come for violence. Their faces are set like the east wind. They gather captives like sand. They scoff at kings, and princes are scorned by them. They deride every stronghold, for they, and they leap upon earth and mounds and seize it. Then his mind changes, and he transgresses. He commits offense, ascribing his power to his God. And then the prophet answers again. He, second question. Are you not from everlasting, O Lord my God, my Holy One, we shall not die, O Lord. You have appointed them for judgment. O rock, you have marked them for correction. You are of pure eyes and to behold evil and cannot look on wickedness. Why do, you, why do you look on those who deal treacherously and hold your tongue when wicked devours? A person more righteous than he? Why do you make men like fish of the sea, that creeping things that have no ruler over them? They take up, up all them with a hook, and they catch them in their net, and gather them in their dragnet. Therefore they rejoice and are glad. Therefore they sacrifice to their net, and burn incense to their dragnet, because by them their share is sumptuous, and their food plentiful. Shall they therefore empty their net, and continue to slay nations without pity? So here's a man who's greatly troubled. He just cannot understand for the life of him why is God allowing this? And not only allowing it, God is causing these Chaldeans to come into the nation and wreak havoc with them. He just cannot understand that. Why, God, is this happening? Then he says, I will stand my watch and set myself on the rampart and watch to see what he will say to me and what I will answer when I am corrected. Then the Lord answered and said to me, Write the vision, make it plain on tablets, that he may run who reads it. For the vision is yet for an appointed time, but at the end it will speak, and it will not lie. Though it tarries, wait for it, because it will surely come, and it will not tarry. Behold the proud, his soul is not upright in him, but... The just shall live by his faith. God is giving this prophet an answer. And the answer is, I will deal with it, but not yet. I will deal with this situation, but not in your time, in my time. It will come, and when the point comes when it will come, it will not tarry. It will come speedily, but not quite yet. In the meantime, until that happens, do you know how you're going to live? You're going to live by faith. You're going to live by trusting me. 
You're going to live regardless of the circumstances around you. You're going to look up to me and trust me even when you can't understand the circumstances surrounding you. You're going to look up to me and say, God, I'm going to walk by faith, not by sight. There's several verses in the New Testament and Romans 1.17, Galatians 3 and 11, Hebrews 10.38 all talks about walking by faith and not by sight. Talks about uh, walking by faith. It talks about our faith. The just, actually says the just, three times the just shall live by his faith. That was the thing that changed Martin Luther's life. That one verse absolutely changed that man's life and changed the whole religious fervor and tenor of all of Europe. And we are subject to that one verse in one man's life to this very day. In chapter 3, verse 17 and 18, did the prophet get it? Did he walk by faith? Did he understand what God was actually saying? I think he did. Because look at what he says at the end of the chapter. Though the fig tree may not blossom, or fruit be on the vines, though the labor of the olive may fail, and the fields yield no food, though the flock may be cut off from the fold, and there be no herd in the stalls, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will joy in the God of my salvation. And regardless of the circumstances around me, which I don't understand, I will rejoice in the Lord. I will join the God of my salvation. Then the Lord is my strength. The Lord God is my strength. He will make my feet like deer's feet, and he will make me to walk on my high hills. And then he says, put that to song, to the chief musician with my stringed instruments. Make a song about that. That's something to sing about, isn't it? And so there's going to be delays. There's going to be times whenever we have to wait, which we may not fully understand. But if we trust the Lord, sometimes it's God's way, not only of showing us his glory, but showing us his character. Showing us his character. Showing us his very nature. Sometimes the delay is on our side. Sometimes we're just not ready or prepared for what God has in store for us. Jesus said one time to his disciples, I have many things to say unto you, but you cannot bear them now. You're not ready for it. I could say a lot to you, but you're not ready for it. They weren't even getting a lot of what he had said, so he certainly wasn't going to give them much more because they couldn't handle it. But one day they could, and one day they did, but just not at that moment. So sometimes the delay really is on our part. God is waiting until we're more prepared and more ready to be in that position. When Moses was 40 years old, now you'd think when you're 40 years old, that's quite mature, isn't it? Middle life. When he was 40 years old, he thought he was ready to be the deliverer of the children of Israel in Egypt. He was absolutely convinced of it, but he wasn't ready. Now he had lived under Pharaoh's rule for those 40 years. 
He was highly educated. No doubt he was skilled in languages, trained in the art of diplomacy, had great leadership skills. He would know about the national state of affairs. He'd be used to dealing with people on a grand scale. All of those things, perhaps, perhaps all of those things together maybe made him a little bit proud. Maybe he had quite an ego. And we know what happened when he saw an Egyptian beaten up on Hebrew. He thought, ha, all of these years I've known that I'm going to be a deliverer. And now I'm ready. I'm smart. I know what to do. I'm a place of influence and power. So what does he do? He goes out and he kills the Egyptian and he buries him. <laughs> but he was caught on. And whenever he found out he was caught on, he ran and he fled for his life. And the next 40 years... He spent herding sheep for Jethro, his father-in-law, in the backside of the desert. Forty long years herding sheep. That's a far cry from being raised up to be a prince in Egypt, son of Pharaoh's daughter. During those 40 years, there must have been a humbling there must have been a maturing in his life. Because at the end of that second 40-year period, God comes to him in the burning bush experience. And when God comes to him in that burning bush experience and tells him that you're going to have to go back and you're going to have to deal with Pharaoh and you're going to lead my people out of Egypt. Now, he's 80 years old now. He thought he was ready for that when he was 40. But he wasn't even near ready. But now he's 80. Now he's spent 40 years herding sheep in the backside of the desert. He's humbled. And now God comes to him. And God said, it's time. And do you know when that happened? It's interesting the excuses he began to make. In fact, if you look at Exodus chapter 3... And it wasn't any false humility here. Exodus 3, verse 11, that Moses said to God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh, that I should bring the children of Israel out of Egypt? Who am I? I'm a shepherd out here in the backside of the desert. How could I go to Pharaoh? So he said, I will certainly be with you, and this shall be a sign to you that I have sent you. And when you have brought the people out of Egypt, you shall serve God on this mountain. Then Moses said to God, Indeed, when I am come to the children of Israel and say to them, The God of your fathers have sent me to you. And they say to me, What is his name? What shall I say to them? And God said to Moses, I am who I am. And he said, Thus you shall say to the children of Israel, I am has sent me to you. One of the great names of God Almighty. Who will I say sent me? Because they're going to ask me. You say I sent you. Tell them the I am sent you. 
Now you'd think that would be enough, wouldn't you? But it isn't. Chapter 4, verse 1, Then Moses answered and said, But suppose they will not believe me or listen to my voice. Suppose they say, The Lord has not appeared to you. Now again, I don't think this is any false humility. I think he really felt humbled. Felt inferior even. Felt certainly inadequate, if not inferior. Who am I? What am I going to say? How could I do this? Suppose they say the Lord has not appeared to you. So the Lord said, what is in your hand? He said, a rod. He said, cast it down. He cast it on the ground and became a serpent. Moses fled from it. Then the Lord said to Moses, reach out your hand and take it by the tail. It's not a very smart thing to do with serpents. Sure it's not. That wee man who looks after the snake den up in that zoo there, he wouldn't catch a snake by the tail. Sure he wouldn't. He'd get up with a scruff of the neck. He'd catch it with a biting end, wouldn't he? Remember one time I took a wee dog to the vet to get its jabs, and it was... <laughs> you know the way wee dogs are like that? The vet says to me, you, get the, you catch the biting end. He says, are you going to grab the biting end? He says, if I was going to bite anybody, he says, it's going to bite me, not him. <laughs> so he reached out his hand and caught it, and it became a rod in his hand that they may believe that the Lord God of their fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, has appeared to you. Then we gave him another sign of putting his hand in to his cloak and it became leprous. Then he put it in again and it became well again. But then verse 10, then Moses says to the Lord, O my Lord, I am not eloquent, neither before you, neither before nor since you have spoken to your servant, but I am slow of speech and slow of tongue. I'm not a good speaker. Hmm. Here's the man that was brought up in a palace. Here's the man that was brought up to give orders and authority. But he had the stuffing knocked out of him this past 40 years. All he talked to was a sheep out in that backside of the desert. He says, I can't speak. I, I don't know how to present myself. I'm slow of speech. I've got a bit of problem speaking, he said. So the Lord said to him, Who has made man's mouth? Or who makes the mute, the deaf, the seeing, or the blind? Have not I the Lord? Now therefore go, and I will be with your mouth and teach you what to say. But he said, Oh my Lord, please send by the hand of whomever else you may send. <laughs> After all excuses, his last gamble was, Lord, send somebody else. Don't send me. I'm not up to this. So the anger of the Lord was kindled against Moses. And he said, Is not Aaron the Levite your brother? I know that he can speak well. And look, he is also coming out to meet you. And he sees you. He will be glad in his heart. Now you shall speak to him and put the words in his mouth. And I will be with your mouth and with his mouth. And I will teach you what you shall do. So he shall be your spokesman to the people. And he himself shall be as a mouth for you. And you shall be to him as God. And you shall take this rod in your hand in which you shall do signs. And the rest is history. Sometimes the delay is on our side. Sometimes the delay is waiting for a plan to happen that isn't God's plan for us at all. I 
Let me just show you a little verse here in, in Acts chapter 1. In Acts chapter 1. I remember that through the Lord's ministry, how that those disciples were continually wanting him as the Messiah to be what they thought the Messiah would be. He'd rid them of these hated Romans. He would restore uh, Israel to its former glory. He'd do all of these things. And no matter how many times he told them directly or intimated to them that his kingdom was not of this world, that it was a spiritual kingdom. Now you would think that after they went through those three years with Jesus and after he died and was resurrected and they seen him after his resurrection and they, they were there when he ascended into heaven and uh, he told them to go to the upper room and all that. You, I mean, you would have thought by then they would have understood that this is a spiritual kingdom. But in Acts chapter 1, well, well, let's read in verse 4. And being assembled together with them, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, You have heard from me, for John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Therefore, when they had come together, they asked him, saying, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? They just couldn't get by this. I mean, they, they were, the, the rack cord was stuck. The needle was stuck. It's all they thought about. It's all they dreamed about. Now, they were more convinced than ever because of the resurrection and so forth. We'd seen Jesus for those 40 days. They were more convinced than ever. This must be the time. Surely this is the time. But it wasn't. That was their plan. But it wasn't his plan. Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom of it to Israel? He said to them, It is not for you to know the times or seasons which the Father has put in his own authority, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witness to me, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And so, notice here that sometimes we're waiting for a plan that's not God's plan. That's going to be a very long wait, isn't it? If it's not God's plan, it's going to be a long wait. Jesus standing before Pilate says, my kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom was of this world, then my men would stand up and fight for me and I would be delivered from the Jews. But it's not of this world. So be careful that you're not waiting for a plan to unfold that isn't God's plan. Because that's going to be a long, long wait and a frustrating wait at the end, at the end of it. There'll be nothing at the end of it. But thank God, delays are not always denials. <clears throat> Moses waited 40 years, but he wasn't denied. Abraham waited 25 years, but he had his son of promise. Joseph waited 22 years before the dreams came true that he had as a young teenager. 
Mary and Martha waited four days, the longest four days of their lives. Never were a harder four days. Never did they face such heartache in those four days. <laughs> and what compounded their heartache was the fact that Jesus didn't come to them when they thought he should. But he did come. Not in their time, in his time. And he was glorified, and they were grateful. So what do we do while we're waiting? We trust God's wisdom. We trust the wisdom of God. In Ephesians chapter 1, verse 7, Paul says, In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace, which he made to abound toward us in all wisdom and prudence, having made known to us the mystery of his will, according to the good pleasure which he purposed in himself, that in the dispensation of the fullness of times he might gather together in one thing all, in one all things in Christ, both which are in heaven, which are in the earth, in him. In him also we have obtained an inheritance, being predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will, that we who first trusted in Christ should be to the praise of his glory. Having made known to us the mystery of his will. We need to trust the wisdom of God that his will is perfect and acceptable for us. He knows the end from the beginning. He knows us better than we know ourselves, doesn't he? He knows every single moment of our lives. As I said this morning, before we're even born, right through all of eternity, he knows every moment. So I think that we can trust him while we wait. Psalm 31, 15, my times are in your hand. Aren't you glad for that? Not in men's hands, not in the devil's hands, in his hands. So why should we wait? Because God's way is perfect. Because if we don't wait, we might get an Ishmael instead of an Isaac. We might get a Saul instead of a David. Lamentation 3, 5, The Lord is good to those who wait for him. Noah waited 40 days in the ark. And the Bible says, and God remembered Noah. Not that he ever forgotten about him. It says God remembered him. It means it was time for him to leave the ark. 120 waited 10 days in the upper room. Then the Holy Spirit came. Joseph was stuck in that prison for two years because <laughs> the butler forgot him, but God hadn't forgotten him. God was waiting to Pharaoh had that dream. And it was perfect timing for Joseph and for the people of Israel. Psalm 37, 7, rest in the Lord and wait patiently for him. 
Galatians 6 and 9. We shall reap if we faint not. When? In due season. There is a due season for every part of our lives. Amen? How should we wait? Lamentations 3.26, in hope and quietness. It is good that a man should both hope and quietly wait for the salvation of the Lord. Let me just finish by saying this. Adoniram Judson, the great missionary to Burma, spent six years in Burma before he ever had his first convert. Most people would have quit and gave up and came home, but he didn't. He stuck at it. It took him 12 years to get 18 converts. He was in prison for 17 months during the war between the United Kingdom and Burma. But when he died, he had 8,000 converts. He opened 100 churches raised up 163 missionaries, translated the whole Bible into Burmese. Took him 24 years to do that. Do you know that Myanmar, or Burma as it was then, is now the third largest number of Baptists worldwide? America is the most, India secondly, Myanmar the third. And it all started without an arm Judson. He was patient who kept plotting and kept waiting on God. And in the end, he had a great harvest. And the influence of that one man, that one patient, enduring man, is going on even as I speak tonight all over the world. <laughs> so are you in a delay time period? Has God, in a sense, put you on hold Trust him. Believe him. Be patient. Fanaya gave testimony this morning how God healed her. It took a long time. I'm sure there was time she wondered why in the world is this taking so long? There's time she stood on that platform of face if you don't mind me saying like a lurking speed. <laughs> because she was miserable and sore. But then came the time. Margaret Brady over there is believing for her time, aren't you, Margaret? She has come through more than most people will ever come through in a lifetime. But she's trusting, and she's waiting, and she's believing, and she's looking to the Lord. Amen? Let's pray. Lord, in our humanity, we do not like waiting. We struggle with it. We get so frustrated, sometimes angry. But Lord, teach us to be patient and to wait and to know that behind the scenes, you're working things according to your own perfect will. So we give you the glory and we honor you and we trust you and we believe in you 
and help us to walk by faith and not by sight, irregardless of the circumstances swirling around us in the midst of it, Lord. Let us be in the eye of the storm where it's peaceful and calm, trusting and waiting. So we bless you, Lord. We put ourselves fully into your hands tonight. Believing in your will for us is good. It's not for evil, and it will give us a hope and a future. So we bless you tonight. And all God's people said, Amen. 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 Thank you for listening to this podcast. You can also watch the Sermon of the Month video at youtube.com forward slash Moira Pentecostal or download the sermon video through our iTunes video podcast. For more information, visit us at www.mpc.org.uk. Thank you.